Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm going to let this week's comic introduce herself. Let me tell you something. I am a faller, okay? I fall all the time. Look at my body, okay? I have not seen my feet since the seventh grade. These tits, it's like a fleshy Ikea shelf. (laughs) Truly, I cannot see my feet. My whole body is shaped like a drumstick emoji. (laughs) You see this shit? It's a drumstick emoji. For real, she meaty on top, nubby on the bottom, fucking delicious. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and I am so excited to have as my guest on today's show the phenomenal stand-up comedian, Michelle Buteau. Michelle first got on stage to perform stand-up comedy nearly 20 years ago, so her first-ever hour-long special is long overdue. Welcome to Butopia is streaming on Netflix as of today, and it is an absolute blast. When she's not slaying audiences with jokes, Michelle has become one of the busiest comedians in Hollywood. Hosting The Circle on Netflix, starring in the first Wives Club reboot on BET+, and appearing with her friend Ali Wong in the rom-com Always Be My Maybe. She also has a Quibi series about parenting coming soon called No Pulling Out Now, and a book titled Survival of the Thickest that will be released in December. So we had a lot to talk about, and I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. Here's me with Michelle Buteau. Is this your level of excitement all the time? Yeah, pretty much. What about you? (laughs) No, I mean, come on. This is me tired. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll meet in the middle. (laughs) Perhaps. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you, though, because I just watched your special, and it's fabulous. It's so good. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. This is your first hour special, right? Yeah, which is so crazy. I mean, I feel like I've been doing comedy for so long. And even before I got the half hour, which was kind of just like way too late in the game, as people would say, I don't mind slow burn. But to start stand up in 2001 and get your first half hour in 2015 is wild. But it's not like I hadn't been grinding or did a bunch of like little late night stand up spots. But you know, by the time I did the half hour, I was like, that just felt like a fun set. I felt like I've always been like ripe and ready. Ew, sorry. <laughs> First hour. But I take an hour very seriously. So I'm just like, who is she? What's this going to be about? What's the beginning, middle, end? You know what I mean? So I'm really glad that it happened the way it happened. 
and Netflix just dropped the tease of the hour. And what I have to do is not read the motherfucking comments. <laughs> right? You can't help it because it's a pandemic. It's a quarantining. You're home. <laughs> and you just hope you're connecting with people in a plus size sequence suit with a, what a wedgie sequence gives you. It's just like <laughs> 20 little knives in my butt. And I'm like, all hail Queen Beyonce and any other diva. Drag queens, anybody. Not only do drag queens wear sequins, they have to like do a meaty tuck. Anyways, what was that? <laughs> oh, the comments. And so people were just like, women aren't funny. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay, you're going to get a couple of those. Yeah, more than a couple, which is fine. And then <laughs> people were just like, she looks like a lion. I'm like, that's not a diss. <laughs> and then there was a lot of um oh man i don't know about her stand-up i'm just used to her acting and i'm like what? that's so crazy you know ask anybody any comedian who's trying to break into acting you're gonna audition way more than you're ever gonna be acting on a set so acting is although it's fun it always feels new for me because i'm like oh my god how did i trick them into hiring this bitch they don't even drug test yeah, that is crazy that you've kind of become better known for acting in the last couple of years. That's so insane. I didn't even have to make a sex tape to do it. Like, <laughs> what? I had no idea. I don't even remember what your question was. I often forget the question. That's you okay. See- I feel like my question was just like, I loved your special and then we went from there. <laughs> but I really did. And you taped it just before the shutdown in New York, right? Yeah, that's insane. Can you believe the Rona was just like out and about doing fucking thing and we were just like, oh, that thing, how crazy. Because when there was the Ebola outbreak, we were just like, oh, fuck. Who's going to get that? That's wild. And so it just far. It felt kind of like that at that time. Look, March 1st, which I picked because it was my grandma's birthday. And I'm not even into numerology because I'm bad at math. But I was like, Mavis Louise, you're talking to me from the other side. And thank God I picked that date because I wanted the special to feel like a night out in New York. And now everyone's like, it was my last night out in New York. Yeah, I'm sure it was a lot of people's last night out. There were people there that were going through chemo that were like, hey, can you make sure I have a seat around people that aren't sick? Because people that showed up. Yeah, like it was wild. Yeah, that is crazy. And at that point, I mean, you didn't know. It was kind of one of those things where you knew that something was going on, but you couldn't have known that it was going to be, you know, now we're, what, seven months later and still inside. And we couldn't have predicted anything because we weren't privy to special briefings <laughs> or some of the world's top scientists. So, no, we didn't fucking know. Other people knew. They weren't fucking telling us. Yeah, certain people but knew. We were just out here like, damn, Governor Cuomo, two weeks? Damn, two yeah. weeks <laughs> to be home? That's a long time. So, I mean, you seem like you're having a blast during the special. So it was a good last night out for you. How did you feel while it was happening? You know, it felt like a wedding almost where I'm like, this is going by so fast. Just like savor every moment. You know, when you tour your hour and you work hard at it, and you try to get the kinks out and make it tight. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like another set, which is great. You should be doing stand up so much that you just have that level of comfortability on stage. Where it's just like, this, these are my stories. Like I'm at a dinner party. But picking the venue, picking your outfit, trying to figure out what the vibe should be really feels like a comedian's wedding. And (laughs) so you can have more than one. You always want it to be special. Some are forgettable. Sometimes you just listen to what other people say you should have. For a good minute, I always wanted like a theater with like the maroon curtains in the back with um, the balconies. You know what I mean? And then you say something so fucking funny and like the top tear laughs you just like hold for the laugh break and you just look up you're like "Mm -hmm, you know but that wasn't this 
You know, I thought that's what I wanted. As I was looking at venues, as I was looking at the people's specials, I'm like, I need something that really reflects the big titty, freckled face, rosé chin, hey girl, hey, this is the night you're going to have. You might hook up with somebody. You might not. You might lose your debit card. Whatever the fuck. Just like a messy, fun fucking night. And I really think we achieved that. It's funny, you know, talking about your acting. I feel like you, there's so much acting in this special, whether it's sort of the long pauses and facial expressions and, and just moments where you kind of let things wash over the audience. And you, you're able to get a laugh, you know, not always from what you're saying, but just from the way you're standing or the, what's happening on your face. Is that something that you have developed over the years? Or do you feel like that was always part of your repertoire, your style? That was always part of the repertoire. Let's be honest. Like, that's the type of kid I was. And I see it with my daughter now. And I'm like, <laughs> I used to get in trouble for making faces. And my dad would be like, don't make that face. And I didn't even know I was making a face. I was like, what face? Like, I didn't even know. But now she gets paid for that face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was working in TV production, all my friends were like, you got to do stand-up. You're so funny. I, I'm obsessed. You're so funny. And I'm like, I'm not going to do stand-up because I don't want to be broke. And I don't want to talk about, like, smoking weed and blowjobs. And that's what stand-up was to me. And But I, I always had that personality where it was like where it was very multicam for no fucking reason it was like take it down i'm like she is who she is <laughs> my husband said the other day you even, he told me that i sleep i'm even animated in my sleep really yeah <laughs> what do you do in your sleep i don't i apparently i did like a hair flip and i was just like Whoa! <laughs> i was like well, i don't remember any of that obviously i was sleeping so I do want to talk about the beginnings of your stand-up career. Like you're saying, you've talked about this before, but you started performing just like a few days after 9-11, right? Yeah, September 14th. Oh my God, it was my anniversary and I forgot. Oh yeah, like two days ago as, like, as we're talking now. But God. Um, next year will be 20 years. That'll be really crazy. You have to remember that one. Look, I'm going to try and remember all that I can. <laughs> Barely remember my taxes. Just kidding. I was like, even if I did do stand-up, how do you do this? And so I took a class and I was like, not interested. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and then September 11th happened and we were working the longest shifts, 14, 16 hour shifts. I just remember like not food shopping for like three or four months because we always had food at NBC that they would give us because we weren't allowed to leave. And we were just like working straight without any breaks. And you were working as like a video editor or producer? Or what were you? Editor. I would edit the video, which was horrible. Really, I mean, not as horrible as losing a loved one, but to watch it over and over and be like, all right, go back four seconds right before this. And it's just like, this is fucking gross. Nightmares, definitely. A lot of nightmares for at least two years. Working overnights for six years. I just crave breakfast food forever. And yeah, my <laughs> news director was like, well, we're going to offer therapy for everybody if y'all want some. And I was like, like, you know what? I don't need your therapy. I'm good. I'm going to try stand up. Like, why not? It was like me taking up golf or something. I was like, let's just, see. let's just switch it up. It was so great. Like, it was really, I hate to be like, it saved me, but it kind of did have an outlet that wasn't TV, that wasn't drinking. Even though you start out doing like three to five minute sets, it is like the work you do before the set and then the anxiety before you get on stage, it felt like a whole day. And then like the rush of someone actually laughing or chuckling and then going home and like listening to your set and reworking a joke. I was like, oh, this is this is fucking dope. This is fun. It does seem like it must have been a pretty strange time to start stand up right after 9-11 in New York when people were there's questions about like, are we ever going to laugh again? And, you know, all these all the TV shows like the late night shows were getting really serious and, and all this stuff. So what was that like for you? And what were you talking about in those early days? 
I mean, that's the thing, right? Everything was so solemn that you needed to go somewhere where you could get away from it all. And so there were some comedians who definitely had jokes about 9-11. A lot of them were met with groans. A lot of them were really funny. Everybody was just like trying to process. But for me, what works for me is just ignoring it because I've already seen it. I've already dealt with it. Like I'm not going to go talk about something that I've just worked on for like all these hours. And so it was a lot of self-deprecating. Hey girl. Hey, Oh my God. I sucked a dick with foreskin. Isn't that crazy? Fucking <laughs> dumb shit. You know, when you first start stand up, you curse a lot. That's the thing because you have the freedom to curse. You're like, Holy fuck. And then also it's like just out of nerves too. You're just like, Oh, what was I going to fucking say? How the fuck are you? It's <laughs> like nervous. And it's like, why? Why is this person cursing so much? And then self-deprecating stuff too is like a big thing, particularly with women when they first start stand up. And I didn't even know. You don't even know. We're just like fucking programmed to be like, I'm sorry that I'm beautiful. Ah! So fucked up. So fucked up. What do you remember about the first time you actually got on stage in front of people? How did it go? It went really well, actually. I really liked it. I didn't realize that I like to be in control that much. I'm just like, I love to throw a dinner party. I'm a good host. I want to make sure everyone is doing well. I come from a big family, even though I'm the only child. So I'm like, how are you? You good? How are you? So I know how to micromanage. And so I didn't realize that I could do that on a stage. Because I also like to do a ton of improv and just talk to people. Because that's the beautiful part about stand-up, if you're into that. A lot of people have really well-crafted jokes, and that is a skill as well. But that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more like feelings, and maybe my areola will pop out. Who knows? (laughs) But that's the beautiful thing about stand-up. It's like you never know what is going to happen, no matter how prepared you are. Was Last Comic Standing your first kind of TV break? I don't know what my TV break would be, but my first TV credit was Premium Blend at Comedy Central. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which no longer exists, I think, but was a big deal at the time. It was. And Premium Blend just sounds like a coffee at this point. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my first comedy set on TV. That was the first time my mom was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> you could do this and people actually take you seriously. What was the experience on Last Comic Standing like? I've been on a couple of times. It was hard. It was really hard because, gosh, it's sort of like someone who is not from this country, who comes to America. And just see, like, just understands what the lottery is, but not fully. And you're just like, this could change my life. You know what I mean? And there's so much pressure. All the eggs are in all the baskets. And so you just forget to have fun. And if you're seen before you're ready, you don't know how to process that. And, you know, you're sitting next to people who've been doing it like, 15, 20, 25 years plus, who've been doing the clubs and the colleges and the cruises, all the seats. And then they just go up there like it's nothing and fucking destroy. And you're just tap dancing with like 17 cameras. You don't even know where to look because it's not even like a real set. Oh, oh, it's just wild. I am not a fan of putting comp- like a competition within like the hardest thing to do anyways. I feel like you're just in competition with yourself. I don't feel like we should ever blame the audience unless we like straight up have to. But I feel like bring people into your world. I don't know. I would rather keep it intimate, but... Damn, it's also like a really great wild experience too because so many good things can come out of it. Did it lead to specific opportunities for you? I don't 
think so. I mean, although a lot of people on Facebook followed me, this was like 05, 06, I think. And a lot of people did recognize me, but not really. They'd be like, you look like that girl that was on TV for two seconds. I'm like, that was, <laughs> that was me. What a compliment. Cause this is like before America's Got Talent and like streaming platforms. And so there really was the only other way to get on TV was like Comedy Central. And so it was fun to be even nominated because so many people auditioned for it. But um, yeah, it's really just like a wild ride. I remember like one of my Facebook friends, well, somebody reached out to me on Facebook rather, and it was a friend from high school who was my best friend in high school and ended up sleeping with my boyfriend. And I remember she emailed me and she was like, hey, oh my God, I saw you on Last Comic Standing. Congratulations. How are you? And I just wrote, still trying to trust people, bitch. And didn't <laughs> so that's what Last Comic Standing did for me. That was my break. That must have felt good. <laughs> it did. I mean, it was like 14 years ago. I'm still talking about it because it felt that good. <laughs> and then you did have some some early uh, acting gigs that I wanted to ask you about. One was you were in the pilot of Whitney. Is that true? Oh my God. Am I accountant? <laughs> What was that experience? Again, it was like one of those things where it's sort of like doing stand-up where you have to learn just by being on the set. No one can really teach you. You can audition all you want. You can like talk about it. You can dream about it. But you don't know unless you're on that set. And I have to say, Whitney like did me a solid because I think she, and this was great when I first moved to LA because she recognizes talent. And I feel like two people exist. They either want to surround themselves by dope ass people or they're threatened by it. And I saw this meme on Instagram one time where it said, being happy for someone's success will never fuck up yours. And I feel like those are the people that really fucking make it. And so I remember auditioning for Whitney and I'd done stand up with her, but like to see her in the casting seat and she had written this thing and you know, she's a female. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. And I like definitely sucked at the audition. It was not good. It was not good. It was a lot of like overacting with my face. It was <laughs> just not good. And, you know, you could tell I was green, which I, I appreciate those moments because you learn from all of it, good and the bad, right? And so I didn't get the part, but she's like, will you do this very small part, but you can use your face because you have to like give me a look. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so it really was like a win you know it was really fun being on set just watching how it's all done and stuff it's like such a great education yeah you said you know comedians audition for way more things than they get is there anything that you auditioned for that you that you didn't get that people would be surprised by or that you know you think about as, as one that one that got away i never think it's like the one that got away because I really do think everything happens for a reason. I mean, what if I was like all of Octavia Spencer stuff? <laughs> all of it. The help. Um, <laughs> in I figures. Oh, you know what? I did audition for Nailed It, which is so crazy because Nicole, that is absolute full show. No one else can host that but Nicole. And people think we're the same person all the time. People come up to you and are like, I love Nailed It. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Executive told me that and i was oh like oh my god oh. get your shit together Bobo. that's brutal that's tough <laughs> i know but yeah no you can't imagine that show without her and exactly she's a damn treat <laughs> the other one i wanted to ask you about was working on key and peel you were in a really funny sketch on that one you and jordan peel are both end up sweating with these kind of ridiculous uh contraptions that make you sweat what was yeah. that what was that like doing that with him i mean really fun i had done another sketch with him the season before where it, it was like vignettes of like this boyfriend trying to just doing inappropriate things to his girlfriend and she has like the worst temper like he takes a selfie of her sleeping and then she like puts a gun to his head and it was like <laughs> And I just love I love working with those guys because you know when it's really like a for us bias situation, it's like the best time you ever want to have because because people are truly 
being their best. You only want to work your best to be with them, if that makes sense. And so it's weird also what goes viral. I mean, I had done a ton of stuff, but I'd walk into Home Depot and then someone would be like, I have to go from the And I'm like, what? Out of all the things that I've done, Bethany Frankel show and best week ever. And at that point, like whatever the fuck else I did. And they're like, I can't be a bitch. Yeah. Their stuff blew up. I mean, so many of their things just like went nuts. The best. The best. And it's so great too working with really talented people that aren't assholes because you can tell you knew he was going to be writing and directing a movie that was going to be nominated for an Oscar, you know, for making a sketch show for Comedy Central. You know, when Dave Chappelle was doing his sketch show, you knew this motherfucker was going to be doing something else. And it's like that feeling where you're just like, oh shit, this is going to be good. You ever like get a, a, the turkey right for Thanksgiving? You're just like, oh. <laughs> But that's what it's like being on set with people that are fucking dumb. But yeah, it was really fun working with them because they have a vision, but it's also like color outside of the box a lot. And I think that's how you make some dope ass shit. You allow people to do what they do well. And those little hoses. Oh, when they were like, we're going to put a hose in your hair. I'm like, you want to get my hair wet? You want to get my hair wet? And I was like, you got to do this. at the. This is the last take when I start sweating. Yeah, I'm only doing this once. Ah! There were like three people, their props was like fucking bananas. There was like three people just like giving my hair a pap smear with like three little different hoses. I said, oh my God. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, sure. What up? I've just been noticing that every time I leave to go out, the next time I open the computer, the browser history's been cleared. Hmm. That's weird. Yesterday I went food shopping for like 15 minutes. I used the computer before I went to the store. And when I came back, my history was gone, the cash was cleared, and the cookies had been reset. Hmm. Well, I think sometimes the computer runs an automatic software update, so maybe that just kind of clears the history. Yeah, except when you update the software, a little window pops up and you click OK, and then it gets installed, so... Hmm. I don't know, maybe there's something wrong with the computer, you know? And it's just one of those things, whenever it gets interrupted from the power source, it has to reboot and it just totally wipes out the history. Be honest, babe. It's porn, right? So with this special and for the last few years, you've been doing so much stuff with Netflix and kind of starting with the comedy lineup, which was the 15 minute special. And I'm curious what impact that had on your career, because from what I've heard from other comics is that these kind of short Netflix things that you end up on Netflix really have a pretty big impact on people knowing who you are coming out to see you live. Was that the experience for you? Because I think you were like the first one of those, right? Yeah, we were the first season. It's really funny because some comedians are just like 15 minutes. You deserve more. And it's like like, damn, once you take the ego out of this shit, you can have a dope ass time. Do you is know that, what I mean? What was, so they offered you 15 minutes and did you have a moment of like, I should be doing more than that? I mean, because this is only a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, no, I was like, this is great. I was like, I can handle 15 minutes. People, I felt like people would actually watch the whole 15 minutes. I just thought it was a good ass look and I love working with Netflix too. And so, yeah, I was not mad at it at all. Yeah, I mean, whether I get like a glass of champagne or the bottle, I'm going to have a good fucking time with that shit. So what I didn't expect, and you never know what's going to go viral, right? You never know what's going to hit with people. There was this thing, and I like to say that Trump is the straw that broke the camel toe. There was this thing where like, 
a lot of the comedians were trying to figure out their voice on stage because the world was so fucked up with the toxic energy from the government. And also, you have to be respectful of your audience members. But New York at least felt very loud on stage, where some comedy club bookers were like, can you not do political stuff? And that's fucking wild because this is the time for it and that is the place for it. Like if you're on Kelly and uh, who did she have now? What's his name? Ryan. Uh, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just Kelly. Or if you're on like the Today Show. Okay. I understand common ground, but stand up is a place where it's the speakeasy for fucking emotions. And so it just felt like a really wild time. And it- who was asking you not to be political? give you the tea oh come on you know i ain't gonna give you the tea like that (laughs) you will not come for me (laughs) it was fucking bananas it was fucking bananas and i was like you know what i'm gonna do these shows that are produced by comics i don't need to go to the clubs to not only have them make more money off of my back but then also edit what i can say yeah censor you censor me yes and so which is a shame because there are so many clubs that i love and i really love the staff and those waitresses and and those waiters just they got the good knees and so many black shirts (laughs) i hope we get back to it but with that said there was like this thing happening where i was like oh fuck you know like me too is a motherfucking thing like there are so many people that were just like throwing up their stories on stage of how men have mistreated them and i'm like god damn it there's like even guys talking about like a sister a co-worker a, a friend and i'm like fuck and then there's also people that don't understand it and they're making fun of it and i'm like what a wild fucking time and so when i was kind of working on this bit nobody wants to see your dick I was like, how do I talk about something that is real important, but also the way that I would talk about it with my friends at brunch, at a boozy brunch. Also, guys, don't take your dick out. (laughs) Who's taking their dick out? Nobody want to see your dick. Nobody want to see your dick. You know somebody wants to see your dick if they say, let me see your dick. (laughs) I want to see that dick. That's how you know somebody wants to see your dick, guys. Come on. Matt Lara, nobody wants to see your crusty bit of dick. Yuck. <laughs> Louis C.K., nobody wants to see that ginger dick. No, thank you. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein, huh, huh, huh. Nobody wants to see that pastrami mess. Yuck. <laughs> Charlie Rose, how did he get his adult diaper off to show his dick? I don't know. <laughs> what? James Franco? Put a pin in that shit. I want to see his dick. (laughs) James Franco, I want to see your dick. Ooh, I want to see James Franco's dick. James Franco, I want to see your dick. That's just became such an iconic bit instantly, I think, is really was kind of one of the earliest really funny Me Too bits. And you talk directly about comedians who were busted for doing some some sketchy stuff. Did you feel like that was risky at all? Because that was kind of people weren't really talking about the comedians who had who had done that stuff in that same way when you did. Yeah. I mean, I've never been out here to be popular or to I'm not that person. I don't give a fuck. 
if I have one friend, if I have a hundred friends, I cannot be with people that take advantage of their power who are predators. And that's just not who the fuck I am ever in, in any chapter of my life for anybody. No. So I don't give a fuck. Give me the loudest microphone. Give me the smallest audience. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to yell that into a room because now that I'm raising a son and a daughter, it's important for them to know that they have a voice, that they could speak up, that they could question authority and that nobody should take advantage of them for them to either feel liked or get ahead somewhere. So fuck that. Absolutely not. And I'm not even out here to like get likes. I notice with this new wave of civil rights and this race revolution, people are definitely living in the likes. And this shit is so much bigger than a fucking hashtag. This is a way of life. So if you're for it, then be about it. <laughs> Coming up. Michelle opens up about the, quote, mindfuck of playing a pregnant woman in the Netflix movie Always Be My Maybe, while at the same time struggling to become a mother herself. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the other Netflix thing I wanted to ask you about is Always Be My Maybe, which was a really fun movie that you did with... Allie Block and Randall Park! What stands out from you shooting that movie with her and with all those guys? Man, again, you know, the whole for us, by us. When you take the time to put your heart and soul into something and you're just not writing it for a paycheck, it really fucking shows. You can feel it. It shows on set. It shows on camera. And also what a boss she is. I mean, she had her kids there with her and her husband and her nanny. Gave everybody the attention they needed on set. Gave her family the attention they needed. I believe she was also writing her book at the time. It's crazy. <laughs> fucking bananas. Fucking bananas. When people want to call women not funny or fat or lazy, it's like, I don't know who hurt you, but good luck, bitch, because we are a force to be reckoned with. And you want a woman on your fucking side, especially a mom. Ooh, a black mom? Gotta stop. <laughs> Get to it done. Guess you're gonna be late. I'm waiting for Brandon. Well, while you're here, let's talk San Francisco. Guys, guys, 
These are supposed to be vegetable dumplings, okay? Not lemongrass testicles. Let's smooth the wrinkles out. Yes, yes chef. Uh, San Francisco, you're opening a new restaurant in two months, and I need you there by the end of this week permanently. Well, sure. I also rented you guys a great house. Oh, sounds good. Your mom wants to pick you up from the airport. I told her I'd get you a car, then she yelled and hung up on me. Oh, the worst fear in life is for me to have to tip somebody. That's how I learned to cut my own hair. It doesn't yeah. show. All right, I look good. Everything sucked in? Oh, yes. Water? That came from your thigh gap? No, thank you. Thanks for calling it a gap. Besides, my spanks are on backwards, so the P-flap lines up with the wrong hole. There's no time to change it. Oh. How are you feeling? Pregnant as hell. And I am so mad at Kate Middleton. I was driving to work this morning thinking about her taking those pictures on the hospital steps, like, what, three hours after she had a baby? And she had that royal diaper on. You know she had that diaper on. I don't want you to talk about that stuff okay. in front of the customers. Cool, cool, cool. You asked me a question, though. What was it again? So in the movie, you're playing a pregnant woman in the movie. And I read the, the essay that you wrote about how it was kind of a mindfuck to be playing pregnant while going through, you know, the whole surrogacy thing. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Because, I mean, that, that must have been pretty wild. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that because it feels like such a rearview mirror situation now. Now that I'm like knee deep into tired motherhood, which is really because I feel like I've earned that stripe. I didn't even read the description fully when I auditioned. I was just like, Allie wrote a movie with some friends. I'm in. How do I put myself on tape? And so when I learned that she was pregnant, you kind of say like, well, how pregnant can she be? <laughs> I was like, full on pregnant. I don't even know how to describe this for people, especially since I experienced so much trauma trying to get pregnant. It felt really fun and exciting to have this belly on and people treat me pregnant. But then I also felt like a, there was just something dishonest about it. So I'm just like, am I enjoying this too much? And then there was something sad about it where I'm just like, I'll never have this because so many kids want to look at their mom's pictures while they were pregnant with them. And so my kids will look at me in this movie and then I will definitely show them pictures of our surrogate that was pregnant because that is them at their beginning. And so, yeah, there's no other word to say besides mindfuck. So I feel like that time during that movie was really special because I really got to deal. But wow. Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. And then I'm like in the house hospital and I've just given birth to the baby in the scene and it was a beautiful in a beautiful weird way I'm just like I'll never experience this so I get to experience it but then I was like yeah. oh man are people on set looking at me because I'm really about to cry and I'm enjoying this too much you know what I mean like it, it was just so weird you know <sighs> Fuck life, man. You never know what someone's going through. I'll tell you that much. So now you have your twins who were born the beginning of last year. I've talked to a lot of stand-ups to talk about how their whole perspective on comedy kind of changes after they have kids. How has that been for you and sort of making it part of your stand-up world and your comedy? I, you know what? Off the top of my head, I obviously always want to be responsible with my words and never make people feel like they're less than. So that is just my thing. But now, who knows? This year has been wild in more than one way. And so I don't know what my stand-up will be like because I'm just in the thick of trying to get through the day. So who knows? I really miss stand-up. I miss writing. I mean, I've been journaling a little bit, but that just ends up being like a grocery list for Fresh Direct or like a word here or there. So I don't really know who she is yet, but it'll be exciting 
to fucking see. Mainly for me. <laughs> I don't want to apologize for fucking anything. You know what I mean? I don't want to apologize for anything. Like, people made me feel like I was fat and I was less than growing up. And so then I thought there was something wrong with me. And then I had to figure out by myself that I was beautiful. And then owning my sexuality and not apologizing for it. And then having people call me a hoe or whatever the fuck. Like, why do you talk about that stuff on stage? Or why do you, like, curse? It's just like, I don't want to have to feel like I'm trying to make anybody happy happy except for me because when I shine you shine like come stand in my shine if you can't figure that shit out go somewhere else so I don't want to ever edit myself because I'm someone's mom that's crazy if anything it should just like fuel the fucking fire it's just like this bitch has got some life knowledge listen to her it's not just about (laughs) vegetables it's about condoms and shit (laughs) I mean I'm sure a lot of this stuff is going to be in your book that's coming out at, at the end of the year yeah Survival of the Thickest. Yes, Survival of the Thickest. Plus size essays in a small-minded world. Bitch! <laughs> so what can you share about that process and that book that's that's going to be coming out just in a few months? Oh my God, that process was wild. I don't think I'll ever read or write another book. <laughs> <laughs> so much work, but it's so worth it because when you see these like stories come to life in a way that is so different than a stage or a podcast or a storytelling show or even a fucking animation, it's like, oh shit, you did that. So I'm excited for people to read it because if they already like what I've done, then I think they'll love this. There are stories that I've never shared before. There are stories that I have shared before, but I just go into depth. I think a lot of the stuff couldn't fit into my stand-up because everything doesn't work for stand-up and I like that I was able to have sort of just another outlet to I don't know not be sincere but just get into it so I'm excited there was a point too though at the beginning of the year when we were like printing it and working on it and edits and all stuff I just want to take a hot shit every time I thought about someone reading it because there's something so final about printed words where you're like ah! <laughs> oh you better explain what you said bitch Because when you say something on stage, you can be like, no, I didn't mean it like that. You took it the wrong way. But when you write it, oh, girl, you better mean it. Yeah, that's funny. It's like a lot of stand-ups will get called out for something they say and they're like, well, it was just, that's just like, you know, my persona on stage and I don't really mean what I say on stage. You don't feel like it can be that same way when it's a book, when it's like a memoir. Yeah, because like 17 people read it and you read it 18 times. (laughs) Don't say you didn't read it. Come on. Yeah, that's fucking wild. So uh, we end every episode by asking comedians, can you think of a time that you laughed really, really hard? Either could be on set or in the green room with other comics or just a story that comes to mind where you laughed really hard. Oh, God. Okay, so this is a shame because it's, I was filming a travel show when COVID happened. And so... That's tough timing. Tough timing. So we did three amazing episodes with Tig, Sashir, and Chelsea Peretti. That's an amazing group. Yeah, it was such a fucking fly show. I hope we can sell it somewhere. But um, when I got the script to do the voiceover, there was this thing that Shashir and I did in New Orleans where we did a wine and paint class. And with a drag queen and she had brought out like one of her friends and he just took all his shirts off and then he just had like teeny tiny panties on so we had to paint him and I was like what the fuck and his name was Diesel and it was just too goddamn much and so I just couldn't stop laughing when I was reading this B.O. because we went to lunch afterwards because New Orleans is also known for their food and so the script read well wow painting Diesel's dick really worked up an appetite and now we're going <laughs> grits and I just couldn't stop laughing like in the closet like talking into my try to read it yeah like (laughs) 
<laughs> oh boy, Diesel's dicta worked up an appetite. Now for some shrimp and grits in the French Quarter. And I mean, <laughs> I can't. I should go through my voice memos and see if it's still there. But ugh. that's hilarious. Seeing myself is also like watching myself take a shit. It's like, why would I? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I hope you can get back to it at some point because that sounds like a fun show. Me too. I really want to get back to it. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you so much for doing this and for taking so much time with me. Um, This was a lot of fun. And I just, as I said, I really loved your special and I think it's just like such a joyous thing for people to watch right now. So congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Hey, bitches, don't forget to pre-order that book available for Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, any non-denominational shit you be celebrating. Yes. Yeah, we'll put a link to pre-order it in the notes as well for the episode. Yes, Matthew! We're doing it. Thank you. All right. Enjoy those Legos. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Michelle Buteau for that wonderful conversation. Welcome to Butopia is streaming now on Netflix. And as promised, there is a link to pre-order her new book, Survival of the Thickest, in the description for this episode as well. And hey, how about giving this podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.